I want to read tonight from Psalm 42 and Psalm 43. I'm going to read the two short Psalms together. Encourage you, if you have your Bible, to open the Scriptures, Psalm 42, Psalm 43. Let's hear the word of the Lord and let's read together from God's book. It's great, of course, that we can get a word from God in times like these. Let's hear God's word. Psalm 42, verse 1. As the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? When I remember these things, I pour out my soul in me, for I had gone with the multitude, I went with them to the house of God, with the voice of joy and praise, with a multitude that kept holy day. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. O my God, my soul is cast down within me. Therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites from the hill Messar. Deep calleth unto deep at the noise of thy water spouts. All thy waves and thy billows are gone over me. Yet the Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And in the night his song shall be with me. And my prayer unto the God of my life I will say unto God, my rock, Why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance, and my God, judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an ungodly nation. O deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. For thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. Then will I go unto the altar of God, unto God my exceeding joy. Yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God my God. Why art thou cast down, O my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him who is the health of my countenance and my God. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Let me just bring to your attention a few very necessary announcements. Immediately after this service, we're going to invite you to come to the Zoom room. And of course, we ask again that you join with us through this medium so that we can have a virtual a cup of tea and a bit of fellowship together. Uh, those who are regulars will understand what that means. 
Uh, the building fund for the month of February came to £775, and we thank you for your giving. Again, on Wednesday night, we're going to hold the Bible study through the medium of Zoom, and we invite you again to come and join with us about half past seven, and the meeting will start roughly about eight o'clock on the Wednesday evening. And of course, do remember the services next Lord's Day, the uh, morning service, And the evening service, of course, it's Easter Sunday, and we'll be thinking about the theme of the resurrection. And once again, I will be preaching on the gospel. And we do value your prayers very much for this Easter Sunday service. It will be a different Easter Sunday for all of us with the isolation. We have also taken this opportunity to send out two very important pastoral letters, one dealing with a spiritual response to this COVID-19 and the other informing you what our church is doing and how you can help. And we commend those letters to you. And we know that many have already received them by email and many have received them by post. Some have yet to receive them, but they will be going out tomorrow. So we trust that you'll avail yourself of this opportunity. And remember, we're here if you need us. Do feel free to contact us in the will of God. These are all the announcements, as usual. They're subject to the will of God at this particular time. We're going to unite together now in a word of prayer. And then we're going to turn once again to God's precious word. Let's just unite in prayer. Merciful God, loving Heavenly Father, we thank Thee for the Word of God tonight. We thank Thee that Thy Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And we pray, Lord, that Thou will come and bless to our understanding Thy precious Word. We know the entrance of Thy Word giveth light, it giveth understanding to the simple. We pray that Thou will make Thy Word to us more precious than even gold or fine gold. Help us to esteem thy word more important than our necessary food, whether it's breakfast or lunch or the evening meal. And thou dost know how much we need food at this time to sustain us as far as physical strength is concerned. But we pray, Lord, you might give us physical strength as well as spiritual strength. Strengthen us through thy word. And we pray, O God, that it will please thee at this time to help us treasure up thy word and esteem it a most important thing that every morning, throughout the day and at the night time, in our minds, with all our burdens, with all our stresses, at least we'll know we've got a little word from God. We thank you for everyone that's broadcasting a personal message, whether on Facebook or whether it's through Skype or Zoom or whether it's uh, through the YouTube channel or, or even in sermon audio. We pray thy blessing to be upon it tonight. We commend every preacher behind the sacred desk to thee. Lord, we pray you'll visit the church of the firstborn and remember this land. And our prayer is you'll let we Northern Ireland again flourish with the preaching of the gospel. Lord, many are in fear in their homes. Many are burdened, they're sad, they're lonely, they're depressed. Lord, have mercy upon them. Send thy light and thy truth. For we ask this tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 
Now, my text tonight is taken from Psalm 43 that we've read together, and I want us to think in particular about the verse 3. David said, O send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles. And I want us to think of the theme this evening, a cry to God to send out his light and his truth. Now, it is widely believed by the commentators that King David wrote these two psalms shortly after he had fled Jerusalem in light of Absalom's rebellion against him and the whole of the nation of Israel uh, turning its back on David. And because of this rebellion of his own flesh and blood, David entered spiritually into a mindset of acute depression. And of course, most commentators teach that these two Psalms belong together, that there's a clear companionship about them, and of course, there's a clear comparison. If you look with me, for example, at Psalm 42 in the verse 5, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him for the help of his countenance. And that's repeated, of course, if you look very carefully in Psalm 42, verse 11. Can you see the repetition? And in the Psalm 43 that we've read together, it's also repeated in the verse 5. So three times in these two Psalms, these words, Why art thou cast down, O my soul, and why art thou disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, who is the health of my countenance and my God. And of course, here there's no room for conjecture. There's no room for questioning. The reality is that something has caused King David to become cast down. Think of these words, why art thou cast down, O my soul? Nowadays, of course, we talk about depression or acute depression. Someone or something has caused David to become acutely depressed. Did you know that the word depression is not found in the Bible? I have searched for it. I've discovered that depression was actually an American phrase that only originated approximately about 70 years ago, and it's imported from America into the United Kingdom. Of course, the Bible doesn't use the word depression. It uses the word here three times, cast down, and it means to be distressed or dispirited or acutely discouraged, or or even dismayed. David hears of a very sorrowful spirit. He was in bitterness of soul. His mind is heavy. He feels that his life is full of a burden. And we've got the right, of course, tonight to ask, why? What was the cause of this state of David's heart and mind? He asked himself, why art thou cast down, O my soul? He's having a soliloquy, as it's known in the English. And of course, we could have to also ask what solution can be applied to be producing a remedy to this cast down spirit and mindset in the life of David. David, I believe at this time, is far away from Jerusalem and God's holy hill. 
I, I believe that the reference in the text unto thy holy hill is a reference to uh, Mount Zion. And of course, there's a lovely statement in Psalm 48 about Mount Zion. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of his holiness, beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion in the sides of the north, the city of the great king. Listen to these words, Mr. Prime Minister. God is known in our palaces for a refuge. And if you compare that, lead me unto thy holy hill, that was Mount Zion, with what we read in um, Psalm 42, he says in verse 6, O my God, my soul is cast down within me, therefore will I remember thee from the land of Jordan and of the Hermonites, from the hill Misar. Okay, Misar means little hill. And if anyone knows anything about the land of Israel, Geographically, you've got Mount Carmel on the west coast. That's the place where Elijah confronted the prophets of the Baal and the prophets of the growth. And then to the south, you have also got uh, Mount Zion. Up north, you have got Mount Hermon. And of course, in the northeast corner of Mount Hermon, you've got in the foothills there, this little mountain called Messar. And it was as if David was saying that he as far away as he could be from the tabernacle as it's possible for him to go. Because if he had gone any further north, he had been leaving the promised land and he would have been going into the land of Lebanon. And he's feeling within himself, right in the circumference of the coast of Israel, I can't go any further. There's no other place for me to go, neither literally or, or spiritually. And in the extremity of this situation, in the foothills of Messar, David is praying unto the Lord, and he calls unto God, and he's asking God to do a number of things for him. And here's what he prays. Oh, send out thy light and thy truth. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacle. And that's a cry for God to send out his light and to send out his truth. And that's what I want us to think about this evening. I have three things. Think of the occasion of this cry. Think of the word, O oh, send out. This is wrenched from David's heart. This is from the innermost cry of a, a man's soul. David, remember, is a despondent man at this stage. He's discouraged. He's depressed. He feels he's overwhelmed by it all. So we have to ask, what was overwhelming him? Well, if you examine the context, look at verse 2. We read, for thou art the God of my strength. Why dost thou cast me off? Why go I mourning? Because of the oppression of the enemy. Here's the occasion of the cry. The oppression of the enemy. And you see, the enemy were taunting David. 
When we read the context, he says in Psalm 42, verse 3, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say unto me, Where is thy God? In verse 10 of the same Psalm 42, it says, As with a sword in my bones, mine enemies reproach me, while they say daily unto me, Where is thy God? David was being oppressed by the enemy, And what's the enemy doing? They're taunting him about his God. Where is thy God? It's like a sword that's going into his bones. And it's costing him to be cast down. This is what they're saying. David, you think that God is for you? David, you think that God is with you? You think that God will talk to you? You think that God has befriended you? No, David. God has forsaken you. God has cast you off. God has no interest in you. God means nothing to you. And you, David, mean nothing to him. And they're pointing, of course, to the circumstances in David's own life personally. And then you've got to think about David's sin and what happened in David's life before this rebellion of Absalom ever took place. And, of course, David was guilty of adultery and guilty of the murder of Uriah the Hittite and guilty of lies and and for 11 months he was in a, a backslidden state before God but not only look at the circumstances in David's life personally but look at the circumstance in David's country morally look with me at 43 verse 1 judge me O God and plead my cause against notice these words an ungodly nation. The word ungodly can also mean unmerciful nation. Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. You see, the nation today, sadly like the nation of Israel in David's day, largely had an anti-God mindset and an anti-God agenda. You ask the question, is there a God? And of course, you're going to get the answer. Psalm 14, verse 1, the fool have said in his heart, there is no God. And and there's many fools, atheistic fools and political fools today that are saying there is no God. They deny the existence of God. They deny the reality of God. And, And of course, someone sent me a little WhatsApp message to say, The atheist asks, why worship a God that they cannot see? And now the very same atheist is hiding in their homes, and rightly so, from a virus that they can't see. You see, the atheistic fool today has nothing to hope in. He has nothing to hold on to. And of course, it's not even their assessment that counts at the end of the day. David's more concerned with God's assessment. So he prays, judge me, O God, and plead my cause against an unmerciful or an ungodly nation. Isn't there not a mindset in the United Kingdom tonight? Where is thy God? And I want to answer that for all our listeners. God is where he always has been. God is on the throne. And I saw one sat upon the throne, Revelation 4 and 1. He hasn't vacated the throne. He hasn't advocated. 
He never will. God tonight is in absolute sovereign control. And we bow the knee with the psalmist and we say, The Lord God omnipoteth reigneth. And of course, we believe tonight in the existence and reality of God. We believe tonight in the Bible. We believe tonight in the place called heaven and the place called hell. We believe tonight in the great doctrine of salvation. And isn't it sad that we live in the United Kingdom where the Lord's Prayer can't be recited in schools any longer? That school children can't be taught the Ten Commandments or the Beatitudes where the Bible itself as a book is questioned and challenged? It's looked upon as an ordinary book, one full of error. For, for any to come into a school and talk about God's book, especially the secondary school children, especially in the uh, universities, you'd be laughed at and mocked. And yet the Bible says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. All scripture. Paul said to Timothy, and from a child that was known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. You see, all scripture includes the Old and the New Testament. And how was it given? It's given by inspiration. And the word inspiration means theonustos. Theo, God, neustos, breath, God's breath. Holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And here's only one area where the um, country is, is affected morally because it begins to deny the existence and reality of God. And of course, that's why now we have in the statute books the legislation for same-sex marriage. And that's why, of course, that they have foisted upon Northern Ireland the, the same abortion laws, if not worse, that are part of the United Kingdom. And isn't it sad that they're advocating the slaughter of defenseless little babies, and yet they're fighting to save lives with this coronavirus? Do you know the United States of America, a body called Planned Parenthood, they have bombarded Donald Trump's office for personal protection equipment, so they can carry on with the acts of abortion. You add to that the transgender issues that we're facing. You add to that adultery, the drug culture, the drink culture, the hedonistic lifestyle of many. You, you add to that murder and theft and gambling. And, and of course, you can understand then something of the oppression of the enemy because they oppose the godly man. And the godly man's lifestyle speaks to him against his conscience. So there, there's going to be the oppression of the enemy. But not only that, there's the opposition of the enemy. If you look very carefully at our text, it says, Oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. Psalm 43, verse 1. Not only plead my cause against an ungodly nation, but oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. David's in the midst of mortal enemies. And David's well aware that the Lord knows who they are. The Lord knows what they're saying. The Lord knows what they're thinking. They're saying that there's no hope for him in God. That there's no help for him in God. They're saying to David, you might as well cast off the knowledge of God. But David, of course, never lost his belief in 
the Holy Scriptures, even though it was held up to mockery and ridicule and many had no love for it and many refused to live by it, David, of course, refused to heed such counsel and prayed, oh, deliver me from the deceitful and unjust man. And of course, literally in the Hebrew, it means from a man of deceit and iniquity. Why does the heathen behave this way? Here's the answer. David's life was sending out a sermon to them that they too were dependent on God for in him they move and live in a being. David was saying you're not only dependent on God, people, but you're accountable to God. Remember, David is a man after God's own heart. And David was on the throne. And we knew that righteousness exalteth a nation and sin is a, a, a reproach unto any people. And David was against the deceitful and the unjust man, the man full of deceit and full of iniquity. These people, of course, sadly were unmerciful towards David. They were living with no love for God or no love for God's truth or God's light. There's an illustration given. Martin Luther at one time, he had married a lady called Catherine von Bora. She became Martin Luther's wife. She's a former nun. And one day, whenever he was in the house, he's in the throes of depression. He's discouraged and downcast. And of course, he had many uh, mortal enemies that were against him and he knew not only about the opposition of the enemy but the oppression of the enemy and there he's for days in this state of depression and one evening um, Catherine von Bora came down and she was dressed in black and uh, this was in Wittenberg and some of us were in the house in Wittenberg and she went about her housework dressed in black and Martin Luther asked her um, Catherine who's died dear? Has somebody died? And she said, yes, they have. So he kept at her. Well, who has died? Do I know them? And this is what she said. Well, the way you've been the past few weeks, you would think that God is dead. So I decided to wear a black dress today. I want to remind you that God is alive. I want to remind you that God is on the throne and God is in control. And yes, there's many discouraged. And yes, many causes for depression. But I want to tell you, you have to hope in God. Aren't there many causes for depression tonight? What about forced absence from the house of God? David says, as the heart panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after God. After thee, O God, my soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? David was depressed because of the taunts of the unbeliever and the ungodly. Verses 3 and 10, where is thy God? David is depressed because of the memories of better days. For I had gone with the multitude. I went with them to the house of God with the voice of joy and praise with the multitude that kept holy day. David was depressed because he felt overwhelmed by the trials of life. And maybe you do that tonight. Maybe it's through illness. Maybe it's bereavement. Maybe it's the loss of employment. Maybe you're depressed because you feel a failure because God has not acted quickly enough to deal with the situation and answer to your prayer. David said, I will say unto God, my rock, why hast thou forgotten me? Why go I mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Do, do you link it up there? It's the same thought, verse 9, as it is in the verse 2 of the next psalm. David is depressed because of the personal attacks 
of ungodly men. They're unmerciful men. They're deceitful men. Men of iniquity. Here's this powerful oppression that has come upon David. Here's this powerful opposition. These taunts and trials. He's being attacked physically. It's real persecution. He's been attacked mentally. These are, are false accusations. And David has dropped into the, the state of depression. Maybe you're here listening to me tonight and you're in a state of depression. Maybe you're depressed because of your temperament and you have no apparent reason for being depressed. That, that was the same with William Cowper. Do you know the great hymn writer? There is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins and sinners plunge beneath that flood lose all their guilty sins. Do you know that one time he was so depressed he called for a carriage but like a taxi, horse-drawn carriage said to the driver, take me to London Bridge and he was going to throw himself over the bridge into the Thames. He was in the carriage, they were driving about and all of a sudden there's a thick fog come down upon London and, and he had to return home and, and he never had the opportunity for committing suicide. Do you know that Charles Haddon Spurgeon was greatly depressed as well in, in his life and this is what he said on one occasion, if Christ be not preached, better the sun than the sky doesn't rise. And yet that man was subject to the fits of great bouts of depression. Physical illness, health issues can cause depression, bereavement, a bad reaction after a great blessing. You have a great high and then you have a great low, like being on the mountain and in the valley. What about the attacks of the devil? What about the lacks of assurance? Maybe your heart and mind is full of doubt if you're saved. Maybe you're struggling with unbelief in God and the things of God. Maybe it's the guilt of some sin that's unrepented of. And because of your personal lifestyle choice, I'm convinced that David's sin was hunting him. I believe he, he had guilt because of past sins. Maybe it's the loss of job and finances tonight. Maybe you've been abused in some particular way by a loved one or a relative. Remember the day that Job lost his family, lost his farm, lost his finances, lost his fitness. And his wife said to Job, lose your faith too, curse God and die. And what did Job say? Though he trusts me, yet, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. That's the occasion for the cry. I want you to notice secondly and very quickly the object of the cry. Now notice these words. Underline them in the Bible. O send out thy light and thy truth. Now what was David asking God to do? He was asking God to reveal the beauty and the necessity of Christ. See, King David very wisely he received no joy or comfort from his personal circumstances and situation. He, of course, was not dependent on a very peaceful, joyful, or tranquil experience to see him through life's journey. He didn't look within his soul. We have a tendency to look within for the answer. And of course, what do we find? We find a cast-down spirit. We, we find a melancholy spirit. We, 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 we find a spirit of depression. But David didn't look within. David looked without. 
And David saw, first of all, the necessity of Christ. Oh, send thy light and thy truth. And you're saying to me now, but I don't see Christ's name there. I want to tell you Christ is here in this cry. The object of this cry is the necessity of Christ. And surely it's the mark of a mature believer when he emphasizes the necessity of Christ in his life and when he emphasizes the centrality of Christ. You see, David's acting in simple faith here. Here's faith seeing Christ and faith laying hold of Christ and faith longing for Christ. And of course, true faith, we're not only saved by faith, but the Bible says the just shall live by faith. And, and true faith will want more of Christ. And if you believe in Christ tonight to the saving of your soul, my dear people, then you'll want to know more about him, more about Jesus. We sing, would I know? Here's something of the beauty of the person and work of Christ. And is this not the experience of God's people everywhere? They find no words of comfort, no encouragement for their soul, certainly not within their heart, certainly not in personal circumstances or outward situations. And maybe tonight you're listening to me and you feel alone. Maybe you feel cut off from the fellowship here. Maybe you, you, you feel that you have a great need. I want you to look from without and I want you to lift your eyes to heaven. And I want you to focus on the necessity of Christ. Remember, Elijah was depressed. He thought he was the only one left. He said, Lord, I alone am thy servant. And what did God show to him? That he reserved 7,000 who hadn't bowed the knee to Baal. And I say to you tonight, look away from yourself. Look away from your unbelief. Look away from your own heart. Look to Christ, even though you're surrounded by many ungodly men, deceitful men, iniquitous men. Look to Christ. Maybe you're surrounded with a feeling of hopelessness. Then I want you to look at Christ. Maybe we feel tonight as a church we're at odds with an ungodly, unmerciful nation with all the iniquitous laws that the British Parliament have passed. And here's the nation of Israel described as an ungodly nation. And of course, at times they did slide into apostasy and backsliding and ungodly and deceitful men came to the fore. And this was strange for David. This, this of course, was subtle. This, this was savage in the land. And remember, of course, what Isaiah the prophet said, Woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes and prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for bitterness, that put bitter for sweet. And sweet for better. Woe unto them. And the word woe here means judgment. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine. And men of strength to mingle strong drink. Which justify the wicked for reward. And take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. Do you know tonight how we can stand against the murder of babies in our land? And even though we're labeled terrorists by the government... We can get our eyes on the beauty and the necessity of Christ. How can we stand against homosexuality? Yes, we're going to be laughed and mocked at. Yes, the world and the media will try to corner us and put us into a box to silence us. But we can stand and speak up through seeing the beauty and the necessity of Christ. 
How can we take a stand against adultery and fornication and pornography and gambling and drunkenness and and drug addiction and the drug lords? How can we take a stand against the anger and the oppression of ungodly men? Well, the answer is the necessity of Christ. Seeing Christ more and more. Seeing our need of him. Yes, we feel pressurized. Yes, we feel uh, that, that we're being penalized. The world tells us, where's your God? No, no good living for God. There is no God. It's all in your imagination. You have none to help you. Well, I want to tell you tonight, at such a time, we need Christ. So don't look within your heart. And I want to tell you as well, don't look at the ineffective cures for depression that the world comes up with. They tell you to take another holiday. They tell you to go and have some form of entertainment. They, they tell you to drink yourself into a stupor or go to a party scene or take drugs. Someone said, when I feel depressed, I go shopping and they buy new shoes or a new dress. But these measures are ineffective. This is the psychology of the world. This is humanism. And of course, it never mentions Christ. Here's the psalmist. And always cast down. And we've discovered the occasion for his cry. And here's the object of his cry. Show me Christ. Let me see the beauty and the necessity of my Savior. You see, he takes himself in hand. He challenges himself here, hoping God. He knows that God hasn't changed. He knows that God is on the throne. And he cries out, oh, send thy light and thy truth. Not only do we see the beauty and the necessity of Christ, but but we see here something of, of the glory of Christ. Do you know that the revelation of God is revealed in the Holy Scriptures? Did you know that Psalm 119 verse 5 says, Thy word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. So when he mentions, O send out thy light, he's referring to the revelation of God in the Holy Scriptures. And of course, we read in John 17 verse 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. So the Bible is the truth of God. It's the revelation of God in the Holy Scriptures. And even though the ungodly despise this and dispute this and deny this, we have to ask the question. I want to ask it to the atheists tonight. I want to ask it to the professors in the university. I want to ask it to those that have a hedonistic lifestyle. What is truth? You see, there's no truth apart from God. Because God is the ultimate source of all truth. It's not only the revelation of God in the Holy Scriptures, but it's the revelation of God in the Holy Son. In the book of John, John chapter 8 and verse 12, listen to these words. Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. We also read in the Gospel of John, in John chapter 14 and verse 6, these words, Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. See, there's the opposite of darkness. The psalmist prayed, O send out thy light. 
And Christ is called the light of the world. And what does a light do? It shows the way. It, it, it comprehends. It overcomes. It, it, it explodes the darkness. And what does truth do? Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. The full embodiment of truth is in Christ. Christ is the absolute truth, the, the very embodiment of truth. Oh, that we can grasp this, young people. There's no truth apart from Christ tonight. And there's no truth aside from Christ when it comes to theology or the spiritual realm. So here's the object of this cry, O oh, send out thy light and thy truth. And that's what we want God to do against an ungodly nation. That's what we want God to do against the deceitful and the iniquitous man, the unjust man. Send thy light and thy truth. Notice this as we finish. Here's the object of this cry. Let them lead me. Let them bring me unto thy holy hill and to thy tabernacles I've already suggested to you the words unto thy holy hill is a reference to Mount Zion and to thy tabernacles is the very place where God is to be worshipped look at verse 4 for the context then the word then is hotan in the Hebrew and it means at that moment in time will I go unto the altar of God unto God my exceeding joy and of course, the altar of God is a reference to the brazen altar, and that's the place of the blood sacrifice. So here's the, the outcome of this cry. Lord, turn me to your word. And what comfort we find in the promises and in the precepts of God's precious word. And not only that, Lord, help me to trust in the blood sacrifice because, because you're led to the blood sacrifice. That's, that's the place of the shed blood. And you have to think tonight again of all that the Lord Jesus suffered. We, we think of his physical sufferings, his mental sufferings, his emotional sufferings, his spiritual sufferings. There's nothing in comparison to his sufferings. Lamentations chapter 1 verse 12 makes that abundantly clear. And yet remember that the Bible teaches Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried and he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. And we could sing tonight, he died an atoning death for thee. Do you know the Bible teaches us there's a way back to God. There's a little chorus. There's a way back to God from the dark path of sin. There's a door that is open that all may go in. At Calvary's cross is where you begin. When you come as a sinner to Jesus, will you also be thankful for every blessing? It says, yea, upon the harp will I praise thee, O God, my God. And one of Christ's greatest blessings is to know that the Lord is with you on the journey of life. Can you picture this on life's journey being led to the book, the revelation of God? The light of God's truth that shows the way, the way back to God, the way to redemption, the way of reconciliation, the way of rejoicing, led to the blood sacrifice. Oh, that there's forgiveness with thee that thou mayest be feared. Led to believe, repent and believe the gospel. Led to blessings. And one of life's greatest blessings is to know the Lord is with you. The psalmist said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. What a tremendous truth tonight. Do you know the Lord is with you on the onward march of life? That the Lord's at hand. 
You're assured of his presence. You know something of his pardon under the blood. Every sin, past, present, and future is gone. You know the peace of God. You know the protection of God. You know the provision of God. As I finish tonight, I tell you this little story. There's a great commentator called Matthew Henry. And Matthew Henry, of course, believed, as the Bible teaches, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And you know what happened to him one night going home from church? He was mugged. There's a few people pounced on him and, and robbed him. And people were thinking, will he not be able to give thanks for this? And you know, he stood up in the pulpit the next Sunday and he said that he was thankful to God that he was not like a robber. And he was thankful to God that the robbers who robbed him didn't take his life. You see, in everything give thanks. And here's David. And he's turning his thoughts to the word of God, God's light and truth. And he's willing to trust in the blood sacrifice. And he's going to be thankful for every blessing. He directs himself to the place where true worship is carried out. The holy hill of God. The place of sacrifice. And he lifted his mind away from his despairing state. From his cloud of depression. He, he let go of his doubt. And he said to his soul, hope in God. And I say to you tonight, you know that Jesus Christ. He always points his people back to the cross. He always points his people back to the place of the shed blood. And that, of course, is the ground of our confidence and the ground of our assurance. There's no need for you to be cast down. Regardless of the cause of your depression, there's a cure. And I understand the acuteness of depression, the occasion of the cry, the object, get your eyes in Christ. See the beauty and the necessity and the glory of Christ tonight. And let this be your outcome. Turn to the word of God. Trust in the blood. And be thankful for every blessing. There's no need for you to be cast down. There is hope for you tonight. An altar of hope. In all your trials and tears. Your sadness and grief. Whatever you face. Even the fury of an ungodly crowd. You can still have hope in God. May the Lord bless his word to all who have heard it this evening.